Here we go. Write this letter to the angel of the church of Ephesus. This is the message from the one who holds the seven stars in his right hand, the one who walks among the seven gold lampstands. I know all the things you do. I've seen your hard work and your patient endurance. I know you don't tolerate evil people. You've examined the claims of those who say they are apostles but are not. You've discovered they are liars. You have patiently suffered for me without quitting. But I have this complaint against you. You don't love me or each other as you did at first. Look how far you have fallen. Turn back to me and do the works you did at first. If you don't repent, I'll come and remove your lampstand from its place among the churches. But this is in your favor. You hate the evil deeds of the Nicolaitans, just as I do. Anyone with ears to hear must listen to the Spirit and understand what he is saying to the churches. To everyone who is victorious, I'll give fruit from the tree of life in the paradise of God. We are, we are taking a look at uh, a series called New Management, where we come underneath a new manager, the boss, Jesus. And what does our life look like when an extraordinary God intersects with our ordinary life? Because nothing can stay the same. And we, last week was Revelation 1. We saw the picture of who Jesus is and, and, and how, he, how he is for all time as fully God and fully man. And now, starting in Revelation 2, we take a look at the performance reviews that Jesus has for his churches. Seven different performance reviews, seven different churches in the area that we know of as today as Turkey, what they knew of as Asia Minor. And we start off with Ephesus. I'm going to throw up a map up on the, uh, on the screen just so you can kind of get a perspective of what the, the, the region is like because we all know about Turkey and all the, all the stuff, stuffing of Turkey, right? Because we know of that Turkey, but not, you know, this this turkey. So Ephesus, Ephesus, it was the major church, major area in the region. This is the New Testament church we know more about than any other New Testament church. Paul spent three years there planting the church and then pastoring the church. After he moved away, he sent a letter back called Ephesus. Well, actually, we call it Ephesus. He didn't call it Ephesus. He called it a letter. A, a, a letter back telling them this is what your identity in Christ is and this is how you are supposed to behave because of your identity in Christ. And then about AD 60, he sent uh, two letters to a young pastor by the name of Timothy. And, and, and in these letters, he spent a lot of time dealing with the same issues that Jesus deals with in Revelation when he tells John, one of his closest followers when he was living here on the earth, but now it's AD 90, 30 years after Paul dealt with the issues, now Jesus is dealing with the same issues in the church of Ephesus. And overall, overall, he starts off with Ephesus because it is the chief church in the region, but also the issue that was facing the church in Ephesus is the chief issue every church has to face. And what he's telling them and what he's telling all churches of all time is that Jesus is interested in changing culture, not behavior. Bosses know, leaders know, companies know that if you change culture, you change behavior. Behavior will follow if you change culture. But if you change behavior, your culture will go down into the tubes. See, cultures, anytime two or three or more people get together, they produce a culture. And if you want to produce a great culture, you have to be intentional about it. You have to be intentional because all of us, if we just let things go, it'll be a bad culture. 
And he tells the church, hey, look, I walk among you. I have you in my right hand. I am there. I am interested. I want to create a great culture among you. And you have this thing that's good among you. You know right from wrong. You know what's good and what's evil. You know when somebody teaches in such a way that is not lined up in truth, you know it. But I have this against you. Like, when, when, when your boss comes to you and says, I have this against you, that's an oh my moment. You're like, ah, but we all get over it, right? But when Jesus the Son of God, the creator of the universe, comes up to you and says, I've got this among you, or against you. That's not an oh my moment. It's an oh crap moment, right? When the Savior of the world goes, I've got this against you, you're like, oh, what's this? I've got this against you. What's the problem? They led with rules. They led with rules. Look, it's one thing internally to be like, this is right, this is wrong, this is, this is how we're supposed to teach. But, but when they dealt with people outside the church, they led with rules. And they tried to change behavior, not culture. Well, people just don't follow the Ten Commandments. Don't be surprised when non-Christians don't follow the Ten Commandments. Newsflash, we didn't either, and we still don't. So how are we supposed to build a culture? And what culture are we supposed to build? What did Jesus tell them? You've lost your first love. Your love for God and love for people. And a lot of times we can lie to ourselves about, about the metric of how well we love God. I rose my hand in church today. I love God. It's great to raise your hand in church, but that doesn't prove you love God. I felt so good with those worship songs. It's good to feel good with worship songs. But that doesn't prove you love God. I shared that cartoon that showed how evil people were. I love God. That definitely doesn't show you love God. What was Jesus' metric? What was Jesus' metric? Matthew 25. If you love the least of these. The great commandment. 1A and 1B, love God and love people. And really, if, if the, 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 the idea behind that that Jesus is saying is that the metric, the metric behind how well you love God is how well you love people on behalf of God. And see, this is a danger for us all. The longer we're in church, the more we want to lead with rules and changing behavior than we want to lead with love. We have to be intentional about this, intentional about this. So how do we be intentional? First of all, lead with love. Lead with love. Why did Jesus come to this earth? For he so loved the world. Why did Jesus die on the cross? For he so loved the world. Lead with love. Serve all. Serve all. Hard Rock Cafe slogan, love all, serve all. Sometimes they get that right better than the church, don't they? Love all, serve all. We have this phrase in today's American church that's so awesome. I don't agree with their lifestyle. This hit me with like a ton of bricks this week when I thought about this. Jesus doesn't agree with any of our lifestyles. He doesn't agree with your lifestyle. He doesn't agree with my lifestyle. 
He, doesn't agree, he didn't agree with anybody's lifestyle. When he walked the face of this earth, he didn't agree with anybody's lifestyle. But what did he do? He loved all, or he led with love, and he served all anyway. He led with love when it came to, came to our life, and he served us anyway. Why? Because he knows something better than any of the rest of us know. We change by love. We change by love. The person that loves us, we're willing to change for. We, we are changed by love. See, Jesus wants us to transform. Jesus wants us to change. See, when an extraordinary God intersects with our ordinary life, nothing stays the same. He wants us to be like him. That is his gift to us that we can become more and more and more like Christ. And then one day that he resurrects us so that we completely look like him. We were made in his image. He wants us to look like him. And that's the gift he gives us. He wants us to change, but he does it by changing us by love. See, this is the woman at the well. When he interacted with the woman at the well, he didn't agree with her lifestyle. She was married five times, and, 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 and she was sleeping with the guy that, that she was with right then. And the reason why she came at noon during the heat of the day to get water is because people led by rules and shunned her and put her outside the community. But what did he do? He led with love, he served her, and he saw immediate change in her life. The woman caught in adultery. A bunch of people led by rules wanted to trap Jesus, so they trapped her and threw her in front of him. What did he do? He didn't agree with her lifestyle, but what did he do? He led with love. He served her. And I'd have to think that her life was never the same because of that interaction. Matthew, the tax collector, the guy that wrote the gospel of Matthew. Jesus didn't agree with his stealing tax collector lifestyle, but what did he do? He loved him. He served him. And Matthew was never the same. What about your life? What about your life? What was your life like before you met Jesus? And what did he do? He led with love. Somebody came to you and loved you well enough to show you that he led by love, that he served you by dying on the cross, and your life has never been the same. And that's what he wants from his church, to be so loving, so passionate for people, especially those who are far from God, to tell them, look, 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 I am just here to lead by love. I am here to serve you, and I want your life to never be the same because you have interacted with an extraordinary God. The message, the message of the kingdom is that God is close, not you are bad. Prove it to me. Go read the Gospels. That's all I need to say. Actually read the Gospels, especially the Gospel of Mark. You'll find it 14 verses in. God is close. That's the message of the kingdom. God is close. But we fail here, right? Church of America fails here. This week, just some headlines I found this week, came across this week. First of all, 
why it's hard for me to love highly conservative Christians. You're going to hell. Sound like leading by love? Next. Year of Outrage. Slate did an expose on the year of outrage. Now this is about our culture in general, about how we're outraged about everything. But Christians are a part of this expose about how we're outraged about everything. Sound like leading with love to you? And then the Atlantic does this article, Taming Christian Rage. Shouldn't that be an oxymoronic statement? Sound like leading by love? See, this is what the culture sees out of the church. And this sounds nothing like Jesus telling his disciples, they will know you by your rule keeping. They will know you by how well you beat people up with the Ten Commandments. They will know you by your love. So what's the big deal? So what's the big deal? With every performance review, you, you, you get, okay, what do we do with this? What do, what, where do we go? What if I don't change? What if I do change? First of all, if we don't change, Jesus said, I will remove your lampstand. Like, I've got a light you can take out of my house anytime you want to. It's just kind of ugly, you know? Looks like a leg. No, anyway. Yeah. No, 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 that's not what that means. Lampstand in Revelation is a metaphor for the church. We're light of the world, lampstand, boom. He says, I will remove your lampstand. Now, don't think, don't think that this means like some supernatural hitman. Jesus comes in and gets the whole church to drink the Kool-Aid, and the next person that comes in the doors, everybody's dead. That'd be too easy. This is the slow, agonizing, painful death of a church that decides, I am going to, we are going to lead by rules instead of lead by love. This happens in A.D. 90 just as well as it happens today in A.D. 2015. Churches shut their doors every week because a long time ago, they decided to lead by rules instead of love. Why? The only people you can attract when you lead by rules are other rule keepers. And death will come. Spiritual death will come to your life if you decide to lead by rules instead of love. It will. It will. But see, the opposite is also true. If we do, if we by faith say, instead of when temptation comes our way to, 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 to not lead with love, but instead to lead by rules, I say temptation because this is a sin to be unloving. When we have that temptation, we say, no, 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 no. Faith in Jesus says, I will act on it. He will bring me and my church life if I lead with love. See, the promise is to those who are victorious, to those who are overcomers. See, this isn't something that comes natural. See, if, if we overcome something, it's hard, right? We have to conquer it. And we cannot do this without the boss. We cannot love like this without the boss. Without, without the boss's strength in our life, we cannot love like this. To the conquerors, well, I give the tree of life. This is a reference back to G Genesis. Back to Genesis. With the tree of life in the, in the garden, that when Adam and Eve ate from it, they, they got life. They got life. But instead, they decided to eat of the tree. The guy said, don't eat of it. And what do they get? Death. 
But Jesus is our tree of life now. Jesus is our tree of life. This isn't, this isn't a thing that we only get in heaven. This is a thing now. Look, 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 look. If you go out of your way to love somebody now, what happens? You get a little bit of life, right? Your shoulders are straighter. Your chest puffs up in a good way. In a good way, right? When you love somebody, oh, it gives you life. But, 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 but even more than that, even more than that, what does it do to the other person? It gives them life. It gives them hope. It, it, it says to them, look, 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 God is close to you. There is hope. There is hope. He loves you. He forgives you. He's done all the work for you. There is hope that an extraordinary God will intersect with your life and nothing will be the same. There's hope. We will be life dispensers when we are love dispensers. Just be a Pez dispenser of love. Pop, 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 pop. Like that image? Yeah, that's good. It's impromptu. I didn't plan on that. That's what happens. That's what happens if we love. We need more Linda Allen Wilsons. She's the bus driver in this picture. For those of you Caveman Call fans, you just now have a song stuck in your head. But this woman, she drives transit in San Francisco. And she was, she, was, she was highlighted in an article uh, by the San Francisco Chronicle because, because she had a rider riding her bus, rides her bus every day. And I, I've, I've posted this to our Facebook. You can go and share this awesomeness instead of the awesomeness that we choose to share otherwise. How does she go about her bus route? She wakes up at 2.30 every day to pray for 30 minutes. And then she goes on her bus route and she leads with love. She serves all people. And she, she, sees, she sees life change happen because she loves people. Every one of us have a bus route. Some of us literally. Some of us figuratively. But all of us have a bus route and people get on your bus and people get off your bus every day. What are they going to experience you didn't pay the right fare. You don't have exact change. Sit down. Shut up. Blah, blah, blah. Or leading by love. Going out of your way to love people. See, Jesus tells us if we've fallen here because we all have, we are all not loving by nature. He says repent. Repent is a grace work. It's a grace word. Repent says to us, we don't have to be sinless. We don't have to pretend to be sinless. He doesn't expect us to be sinless. He allows us to have the need to repent. Repentance is confession with action. We start off going, oh God, I've failed. Give me a love. Give me a passion for those who are far from you. And if you want to take it an extra step and be radical, give me a love for people that I would normally not really care for. But again, the feeling of, oh, I prayed for that. That's, the, that's not the metric of us loving God. Are we willing to actually hear and follow Him? Are we actually willing to go and love in active ways and passive ways. Active ways means we go out of our way to love our neighbor as ourself, to love our neighborhood as ourself, to love that coworker as ourself, to love that student in our class like ourself, to love that 
family member like ourselves, you know, that family member, right? yeah? Love people, that person on the street corner, as ourself. Actively love people. But there's a passive love as well. Don't do something you would normally do. I want to meddle here, but I'm going to do it for your sake. For your sake. Don't post on Facebook that cartoon or that article. That's so funny. It's actually disgusting. That article that proves your way is right. Ask yourself two questions when you're tempted to do this. Ask yourself two questions. Will this group of people that I'm posting about would this group of people that I'm posting about come closer to Jesus because I've posted this? And two, and two, given the chance one day that I had the platform to share the gospel, does posting this undermine the platform that I could have with this group of people one day? And if no happens to either one of those questions, chances are they'll happen to both. Don't post. Just don't post. It's not worth it. It's not worth the gospel being hindered because we decided something was funny. Confession is repentance, or repentance is confession with action. And for those of you that are non-fans here with us this morning, you're like, this is a little bit more internal. You're right, this is to the church. But here's what I want you to see, somebody that says, I'm I'm far from God right now. I want you to see a boss that demands his people to love. And you say, ooh, I want that kind of boss. No matter what you've seen in your past with, with churches or think you know about churches, this is what the boss demands of his church. And if you want that sort of boss, there'll be people around not to yell at you, but to lead you with love, to pray with you. Because we're all messed up. And we're in need of a Savior to save us from our sins. But then for the rest of us, for the rest of us, that that, the salvation thing is settled. Wrestle with God about the passion and love that we have for people. Especially those far away from Him. And wrestle with Him about how He wants you to love this week. How He wants you to love. Because imagine... Imagine 70 people saying, I don't care about the rules with the society. I just want them to see the love of Christ. And when you've wrestled with him about that, praise and worship the one who led you and me by love. Let's pray. Dear Heavenly Father, Lord, I thank you for this time. I thank you for leading us by love. I thank you that, that, that you so loved us that that's what you did. I just pray, Lord, that you will move among us to see how we can love in our daily life. To love people into your kingdom. Because that's what you did. You refused to love by rules when that's what everybody else did in that day. Lead us. Allow us never, ever, ever to be such an autopilot that we stop loving people. In the name we pray. Amen.